Good morning, welcome back to Nach Yomi. We are now entering into the seventh parak of Sefer Shoftim. The plot thickens. We are now actually in the middle of the episode of Gidon, who is now the Shofet and the savior of Israel from the hands of the pillagers from Midian, Amalek, and the Bnei Kedem. Um, he has been appointed, now he's rallying the troops, and that's where we left off. We're now returning to, to this parak. This parak is now actually going to get into the thick of the battle. A very, very fascinating story that unfolds. So he pulls all together his people. We see that he has many tens of thousands of people. And what happens is that Hashem tells him that there's going to be two sets of whittling down, of testing these people to actually minimize the amount of people who are going to be partaking in this army. So the first thing he does is he turns to them and he says, Folks, anybody who is, uh, who's scared, um, go, go ahead. You know, you can, you can return. No worries. And in fact... 22,000 people left and only 10,000 remained. So clearly the odds were stacked highly against him in this battle. And this is why he's scared. And he, he spoke to that and he walked backwards. Fascinating um, moments. In general, just halakhically speaking, in most battles, if it's a milchemes rishus, if it is an optional war, then yes, the um, soldiers do have that option in general. But this is Milchames Mitzvah, this is a, a conquest of a mitzvah because it's defending the territory of Israel from those who are encroaching. So this would actually not have that option except for the fact that Gideon gave it. The second test Hashem says is like this. The next take the people down to the water, Hashem tells them directly and tell them to go and uh, drink. Go, go, go drink from the water. And, he point, and Hashem points out that anybody who uh, drinks like a dog, sort of licks, you know, puts their face um, to the water, is, um, um, is going to be... Uh, um, is going to be excluded. And those who bring the water up to their mouths is um, is going to be included. And it turns out that there are only 300 people who actually pass the test and bring the water up to their mouths and they send them home. Second test. We've now whittled down from 32,000 to 300 troops. We're told that the enemy is in fact so 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 much so many uh, of these um, these these pillagers that they are like uh, they are like uh, they are beyond countable accountable. So we're, we're talking about really. Bad odds here if you're a statistician. So, so Gideon takes these 300 men and he, 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 he takes them up to the battle. They're waiting on the hill at night. And Hashem says to him, look, you know, I know you're probably a little scared. Um, so if you want to go down with your Fura, who's your young lad, your we weapons bearer, and go and uh, go listen to the camp of Midian. So down he goes and that night he's sitting at the, you know, at the, at the edge of the camp and he hears one Sentry talking to another sentry, and he says, you know, I had a strange dream last night. The other sentry says, well, what, what was that? He says, I was dreaming that, um, that there was this little lechem saorim, this kind of like barley, you know, kernel, which was, which was turning and turning and turning in the camp, and then it, and then it flipped over, and uh, the, the, the tent and, and the tent fell down. That was the, the dream he's recounting. So his friend says, you know what that must mean? That probably means that the sword of Gidon ben Yoash, who's of the, from, from Israel, is going to conquer us. So he has, you know, Gidon uh, eavesdropping on this conversation, and he hears one Midianite who has no reason to think that there should be anything to fear. He's suddenly fearing this man from Yoash, Gidon ben Yoash, um, and this is his sign, clear, clear sign that, he, that this is going to end successfully. He runs back to the camp, he gets all the men together, and he says, this is what we're going to do. You're going to take a shofar in one hand, and you're going to take a, uh, a torch, which you're going to cover with an earthenware vessel on the other hand. And now you're going to go down to the camp, and he says the famous words, As I do, you shall do, which is the words which are emblazoned on the, 
the 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 um, training the training platform of Israeli soldiers today, as you, as I do, so you will follow. Um, and he says, when I give you the sign, um, we're going to break those um, those uh, um, containers. The light's going to be clear. I'm going to blow the shofar. There's going to be light and noise suddenly, and we're going to shout La Hashem Gidon to God and to Gidon, and you're going to charge into battle. And in case you're wondering, in case you're counting the amount of hands over here. There's a hand for the shofar, there's a hand for the torch and the cover, there's no hand for a weapon. So we're not even talking about weapons. This happens, they break the, the all together they break the container, the light is suddenly around the camp of Midian, They're, the sound is there, everybody gets into a terrible, you know, chaos, they, they're terrified, they start running into each other, start hit, killing each other, and, um, and everybody starts turning into, into, into fleeing. Um, Gidon calls all the rest of Israel and they start... Um, can, and they start attacking the fleeing enemy, um, and uh, they capture the two, uh, two of the kings, um, who we're going to deal with next in, in next week's parak. The the kings' names are Orev and Zaev, um, and uh, we're going to uh, we, and, they were, and they are killed. Um, we're going to see, um, God willing, as we go on the the continuation of this battle in Perak Ches. In the meantime, just a few things just to note in this Perak. Number one is that Gidon has asked Hashem for a number of tests. In the last, in the last parish, he asked the angel for a test. He asked God about the wool and about the ground and lots of testing of God. God, Hashem is now turning around to Gidon and saying, "You want to fight this battle? Well, your troops need to be tested." And he gives him two rounds of testing as well. Meaning, this is not going to be natural. This is in any way. This is going to be completely supernatural. And so, I'm going to test you for the best people who are going to get there. How does the test? Um, I, okay, I understand that the scared test works but how does the the bending down test like what's that got to do with anything was this just a random way of sorting through people so rashi says ah it's a, a, sub a subconscious revelation those who immediately get down onto their knees and go all the way down it shows you that that's they're kind of used to getting down on their knees to bow in front of other things aha avorazara it's an indication that they were involved in avorazara the Malbim, the Rabbag, say maybe, maybe it's more psychological. Malbim says maybe it's more bestial, you know, like you get down on your all fours and you're putting your face in the river, you know, that's not exactly, you know, a human kind of uh, behavior. The Rabbag says it shows laziness, meaning you've got to just put a little effort to, uh, to keep dignity. So whichever one is a psychological flaw, a spiritual flaw, nonetheless, that was another test which was which he used to whittle down to the 300. This whole, this whole marshal of the, the barley going through the camp, very strange marshal, what's really going on over here. Some of the later Mephorosh in the Mishmet Zav quotes a sefer called the Mincha Katana, who says that at Kriyas Yamsov, the Bnei Israel were at such a decrepit level, the angels turned to one another and said, Elo Avda Avarazara, the Elo Avda Avarazara, they're both serving Avarazara. So in the certain sense over here, there's this kernel which is, which is flipping around and around and around, symbolically saying like, you know, who's worse? The Midianites or the Israelites? The Israelites are also fattening up cows for Avarazara. They're also serving Avarazara. Who's worse? Finally, when it flips over and destroys the tent, there is an indication that, yes, even though Israel are not necessarily fully deserving, nonetheless, they are going to survive. And that's what Gideon needed to hear, that even though they had very little zuchus, it was sufficient. One of the things we'll just leave with, and that this is going to be a very strange call to us for the rest of Gideon's life, is that the, the battle cry he forces everybody to use is, La Hashem on a Gideon, to God and to Gideon. Very strange. I understand God, but what are you putting yourself in the, in, into the battle cry for? So it could be that that's, he's relating to the dream. People are scared of the name Gideon, so he's using that as a psychological tactic, and he's putting his name in the battle cry. Um, and um, but it could also mean that the, the, the maybe what Gideon is doing over here is that there's a supernatural victory and that's La Hashem, and then there's a natural victory which is going to be the Gideon. We're going to see over here Gideon's part and his self-analysis of himself when it comes to this, bat uh, the, this battle as we move towards its end. In the meantime, have a fantastic and meaningful day.